Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. I was sitting in this large room surrounded by a big group of my classmates, and there's this buzz that was just kind of waving through all of the kids. It was a very special day for us in elementary school. It was a big day. I wouldn't say the best day ever because there was a seriousness of learning because, right, when we're kids, that's lame, right? But, but there was this, this buzz that was there. I was having so much fun. I was so excited. It had two words to it. I don't know if they do it anymore, but in my day... They loved it. It was called Career Day. And Career Day for a little third grade Jason was so unbelievable because on Career Day, my mind was opened to things outside of my little world that existed. So what happened is in Career Day, you'd bring in either professionals, you'd bring in hobbyists, you'd bring in all these different types of people who'd come in and then we'd pick the sections that we wanted to go to. So you'd have policemen and firemen, and you'd have nurses and doctors, and you have construction workers. Like, what little boy didn't want to drive, like, huge monster trucks, right? And they'd have all this, but they also had hobbies. So I learned that you can make model rockets that shot in the air and, like, poof, and they explode. I'm like, who wouldn't want to play with fireworks, right? And I learned all about these different hobbies. And my dad was even there, and he was teaching photography, like, how to take pictures for art and all these different things. And we got this big sheet of paper, and we got to pick what we wanted to go to. And this was the 80s, and so something huge was happening during the 80s that I wanted to be part of at Career Day because I knew exactly what I wanted to be when I grew up. I just had to go to this session. Once I get to the session, I'll know how to do it. And it was very simple for me. I circled 75 times on my sheet, break dancing. I'm going to be a professional breakdancer. Now, if you aren't familiar with what breakdancing is, everyone who's of this younger generation, uh, hey, TikTok, you're welcome. Everything comes from us in the 80s um, and with those dance moves. And so breakdancing was this huge phenomenon. It's a street dance that came on in which is moving, and people would like move and flow, and it looked like they were like not even touching the ground, and they'd spin on their heads and spin on their backs. And I loved the music, so I was enamored with this. I'd have my little boombox out, and I'd find the station that would play breakdancing music, you know, and little seven, little uh, third grade Jason, seven, eight years old, is just popping and locking and doing the robot with the best of them. And so I was going to go and learn from real breakdancers, right? So I went to my sessions, and it was breakdance time. We get to the breakdance time, and I just remember just so many kids were packed in this room in this big circle. In the middle of the circle, we walked in. And these guys were breakdancing. I mean, they were flowing and moving. And like, can you imagine my little mind just exploding with, how do I get to be a part of this? And, and so we all sit down, they're done, and they start saying, okay, we are going to teach you how to do some breakdancing today. And so the question is to the class, how many of you know how to do something in breakdancing? And so some kids raised their hands. And of course, I raised my hand. Now, I had no idea what I was doing, but you know, I knew how to break dance. So I remember the things that get burned in your mind. If you're young, just, just be aware. The dumb things you do in life, you remember forever, like this story. I remember raising my hand so tall, and, and he's like, OK, I see you guys. Cool. And he goes, OK, well, we're going to show you 
a move today. It's called the backspin. And so the backspin is you get on the ground, you kick your leg, you start spinning real fast on your back. And then if you're good, you twirl and with your hand on your side, like you look like you're cool. And so, and I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know why, what came over me. I decided to blurt out, oh, I can do that. And so this guy turns to me, and this is, this is so terrible, the trauma that this man's caused me all these years later. He turns to me, he says, okay, who, what, what was that? And so now I'm called to the carpet, and I said, I can do that. And he said two words that have changed my life forever with a flourish of his hand inviting me to the middle of this large dance circle in front of all of my classmates, he says, prove it. And so I sat silent. Can you imagine? Look at the trauma. I'm still, look at me now. I'm all messed up. You know, I went from break dancer to pastor. Who knew, right? So in my mind, like, I thought, I just want to be accepted. I can do this. But the proof was in the pudding, and he said, if you can do it, come show us. Prove it. Those two words have been seared in my mind for all these years. Prove it. If you can do what you say you can do, it's very simple. Come out and do a backspin. Well, I could not do a backspin. I did not go out, and the class moved on. But, but if we understand so much of our life, we, all of us, all of us in our life, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. We say we're a good parent. If you've got kiddos, we say we're a good parent, and we say that we love our kids, but do you honestly love your kids? Do you parent and say you love them by hovering over them and making sure they never skin a knee? Or are you over here on this side like, kids need to grow up and be tough, and we didn't wear helmets when we were kids? I was that guy. And so, you know, you have to be tough. Like, do we actually care for our kids? And we say we're a good parent, but do we prove it? And let's go into this. We say that we're charitable. We want to help everybody. And we, I want to be gracious and generous. But do my finances prove it? When it comes time to leave a tip, am I that guy? I'm like, okay, what? Ex- I've got five cents. We leave five cents. And you hope nobody sees that. Or you're that charitable person who says, like, I just want to be gracious and generous with all that I have. Or on the other side, I want to be generous with my time. I don't have finances, but I have time. I want to give that away to everybody I can and be as generous as I can. The proof is going to be in the pudding. What if we say that we want to change the world? We, we hear that so often. The world is going down. This generation is so terrible. We blah, 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 blah. And we just say we want to change the world. So it is so easy for us to use our four little fingers and sometimes our thumb to type messages on Instagram and Facebook and everything on the Internet to say, you guys are terrible people and we don't do anything. We just complain about it. And we post things and say, we want to change the world. I'm going to do it by trolling and being mean to people I don't even know, as opposed to actually rolling up our sleeves, getting dirty, and serving the poor and the needy and the hurting of our community. Proof's in the pudding. If you are something, prove it. And now in our, in our culture, that is not a very popular thing to say because we want to hide and have the mask and put an appearance that everything looks good on the outside because we're afraid of what people find in the inside. Much like a delicious jelly bean, we've got the outside coating that's nice and hard, but inside we're just a squishy mess. And we're going to keep the outside coating out there so no one really knows what we are inside. 
We don't want anybody to know, you know, I'm not that good of a parent. I'm not that generous. You know, I say I want to change the world, but I'm not willing to sacrifice anything. Let me go one more because it's Easter morning. We say that we're a Christian, but do we prove it? We say we love Jesus. We say we follow him. But does our life actually prove that we follow the master? Because in the scriptures, our life should show that we actually follow him. Do you live out the teachings of Jesus? Or are you always arguing with the Bible to try to find some way that you can still sin and feel good about it? Which is what 95% of what we do, right? Like, I just I have this idea. God, and I just want you to fit my box, and I want you to, I want you to listen to my teachings. My teachings say this, and if you could just put some Jesus over it, now I feel good about my life. But your proof is not in the pudding, because if you follow Jesus, you obey his word and his commands, because he said that, not me. So the proof is in the pudding. If we are a Christian or a Christ follower, the proof's going to be there. And if you're on the journey of exploring Jesus still, and you're not quite there, and you're like, I'm just not sure about this stuff, I'm willing to say, friend, that your tension point when it comes to Christianity is going to be that you watch Christians that don't actually live like Christians. Like, why do I want to be a part of this group of people? You guys come and sing songs, and it's kind of weird, and then you go and live your lives however you want. Nothing's changed about you. I hear that comment a lot. So if we really are followers of Jesus Christ, is the proof in the pudding. So in the 80s, we had a word for people like this. It's a big word. Uh, if this is a new word to you, you're going to be like, uh, you can totally tweet this out later. If you know this word, you're just going to smile like, I remember. You probably used it in 30 years. The word was poser. <laughs> if you said that you were something and you were not it, you were poser. I was a skateboarder, and I used to skate. And so anyone who's like, yeah, I totally skate, and we would say, prove it. And they would wear like all the skateboarding gear and they would wear, bring their skateboard to school and they totally were not good. We'd say, dude, you're such a poser. And when people would live life and they're faking it and they say that they're all these things, isn't it just being a poser in the year 2023? What's the difference? Because Jesus, if he really is the Messiah, if he really is the son of God, if he really didn't really did come. He really did do all the things that he said that he did. He died for us in all this. Jesus is the son of God, and he doesn't have to prove anything to anybody, but yet we're going to read in the passage today that he proved it. He didn't have to. He's the God of the universe. What does he have to prove anything to us? But he is going to prove to you and to me today that he just didn't go to a cross. He proved that he rose again. He rose again, and he was alive, and he was alive and appeared to his disciples. And we're here today all these years later because Jesus proved it. And that's where we're going to pick up our passage today in John chapter 20, verses 19 to 29. If you have your Bibles or Bible apps, feel free to open those. Also be on the screen behind me today. We're in John chapter 20, 19 to 29. We're going to pick up the story now is that it is Easter. It's the first day of the week. First day of the week for the Jewish people was Sunday. The Sabbath was on Saturday. And Jesus' death on a Friday caused a problem because at sundown, they were not allowed to be unceremonially they could be ceremonially unclean, which means they were not allowed to touch dead bodies. And so they had to rush through this motion of getting Jesus off the cross. They get him in the tomb, but the work wasn't finished yet. They still had to get the spices and the wrappings and all this. They weren't done. They're were only partially done. 
because then they go into their Sabbath. So Sabbath has begun from at sundown, and that would be into Saturday, now into Sunday morning. At sunrise now comes, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb to find Jesus. And so they go there to work on the body. They go, the stone is rolled away. If you're familiar with the story, if you're new, I'll catch you up. The stone is rolled away. Jesus is gone. There is a problem here. Bodies just don't disappear on the Sabbath, but the body is gone. And this, this stone that's rolled away, the body is gone. Mary Magdalene has no idea what's going on. Jesus now appears to her, and he's, she just says, Mary, he says her name. She recognizes him, and he says, you can't touch me yet. I have not yet gone back to my father, which is an interesting thing to say, which we'll get to in a second. So he says, you can't go here. So she's like, oh, my word. She runs back to the disciples and tells all the disciples that a person who was just murdered on Friday's body just appeared to her. And they'd be like, yeah, right. How are we supposed to believe this? Like some of them took off to go see that the body was gone, but they're like, what happened to him? Now, just pure human logic is not going to come to the point, even though Jesus taught that he was going to rise from the grave, human logic is not going to go to the fact, oh yeah, that guy who was just beaten, whipped, spit on, tore up, stuck in a side with a sword, crown of thorns, we saw him hang and die on a cross. Of course he rose again from the dead. Their first response is going to be, who took him? Where'd he go? What happened on the Sabbath? It had to be the Romans. This is all about war. This has to, they're going to start formulating some ideas of what's happening. And so we fast forward now into the book of John, chapter 20, of Sunday night. So it would be our, our Easter night. Jesus appears to all of them. This is what the word says, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, that'd be Sunday, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I seal the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where his nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. Jesus came in and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Did Jesus really rise from the grave? That was the big question of the moment back then. Is the question that's still permeating through us now all these years later. Did Jesus really, really rise from the grave? And this is what I mean by this. Did Jesus literally rise spiritually? So something happened with his spirit in which his spirit is now alive. And this is the part that we miss so often in this Easter story. Did Jesus' physical body come back 
to life? Did his physical, actual body, the body that was just hanging on a tree three days ago, did that body somehow be given life again? Start breathing? Heart starts pumping? Like, did something happen with the spirit of Jesus and the body are brought back together that when he goes and sees his disciples, he lifts up his tunic or shirt or whatever he was wearing, and there's a huge gouge where the Roman soldier stuck a spear in him to make sure he was dead. And he pulls up his shirt and says, take a look, boys. Here, don't be scared, guys. Take a look. Take a look at my arms. It's me. It's literally like you just saw me. Like it's been three days. Take a look. And for something that astronomical to happen would have been unbelievable because those disciples now on Sunday night are cowered in a room with the doors locked. The doors were locked. They're terrified. If we, we have to lock ourselves up because they're going to kill us. We're Jesus followers. First they scattered. Now they're back together trying to get some sort of plan. What do we do? Jesus' body is gone. So they're up in this room terrified. The Jewish people think we stole it. The leaders are going to come after us. The Romans are going to come after us. Everybody's going to kill us. We're going to get hung on a cross. We're going to get burned at the stake. They are terrified. And so they're hiding in a room with the door locked, like they couldn't break the door down as a side note. But the door is locked. They are terrified. And Jesus now appears without opening the door. And as he appears while opening the door, he says, peace be with you. And he just shows them. He shows them the hands. And can you imagine what that would have been like? If you just had somebody you had seen brutally murdered alive in your room, I would scream. Jesus says, guys, oh, it's me. Take a look. Pulls it up. Take a look, guys. It's, it's still me. It's Jesus. And could you imagine the elation and maybe like the screaming of joy? Like, this is our Lord Jesus. You're back. And he's like, bros, I told you I was going to do this, right? But he's back. And so now Jesus is here in the literal flesh. Now, the word of God does not say this. But I want to, I, this is just my Jasonisms inside of my head. I want to put a few things here because the Bible can't say everything. But I want to say this. If it was Jesus' hands with the scar marks showing the, the work what happened on the cross, did he still have the stripes on his back? Did he still have the piercings on his head where the crown was crushed on his head. I wonder, was his body still black and blue from the beatings that he took? I wonder, the body that was laid down on that Friday was the same exact body that God brought back to life. But this body now is his flesh, but now his spirit is connected in a way in which this guy can walk through doors. But he's still God? And he still has flesh? Something is changing, but some things are still the same. Because if this Jesus really did die, he really did have his spirit raise again and his body raise again, what that means to you is that we get the inheritance that Jesus gets. Not because you deserve it, but because we have faith in him. So if Jesus literally was risen from the dead, you will literally be risen from the dead. 
And because now we have hope that we are going to be again with God. Our spirit is going to be combined, we learn in the New Testament, with this new body. And what's this new body? I don't know. It doesn't say what it is. I hope I have much more hops because I can't jump very high. But I would love this new body and this new spirit. And what God tells us is this new body and this new spirit, there's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no death, there's no cancer, there's no more brokenness. Everything is fixed the way it was supposed to be before sin sin enters the world. But because Jesus beat everything, we talk about Jesus died for our sins, which is correct at Easter. But guys, that's only a part of the story. Jesus beat sin. Jesus beat humanity's, our flesh, our brokenness. He beat the corruption of everything that sin has caused. He beat everything in one fail swoop in three words on the cross. It is finished. He beat everything. And so because Jesus beat everything, Now he's like, if you believe in me, you get to beat everything. And this is what's so crazy. It blows my mind. Why in the world should I be involved with this story? What did I do? I didn't do anything. I just said, Jesus, I trust that you died for my sins and that that you are the one that took the punishment and you are the one that fixed the problem with God. So I want you as my Lord and Savior. You are the king. You are my God and my Lord. And now I get to be a prince with a new body and a new spirit because Jesus rose, I rise? Isn't that a crazy, amazing, wonderful, terrifying story that should bring you to your knees? And every time a worship song is on, maybe you sing a little bit louder. Every time you see a sunrise, maybe a tear drips, the fact that God allows you to breathe another day. Because who are we that we get to be brought into this story, and that is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That his body being raised from the dead in flesh and bone changed the course of humanity forever. Because now this beautiful thing happens. He says, brothers, take a look. It's me. And the first thing Jesus does is he breathes on them, which is beautiful word picture of the Jewish people believe that breath was life. And so this breathing of the Holy Spirit, they're given the Holy Spirit. And he says, now go and do everything that I was doing. He sees them and he sets them on mission to go change the world. So the first thing he does, he sees them and says, now you guys got to go. I'm bringing the Holy Spirit to you. Now go. And I want you to continue the mission that I started. And then there's this guy they sent a quick trip to go pick up some coffee. Thomas is not there. This is fascinating why Thomas is not there. Jesus doesn't do anything by mistake or just happenstance. He has a purpose for everything. I don't know what that purpose is, but can you imagine being Thomas walking back into the room? Hey, guys, I got our coffee traveler to go. And they're like, Thomas, you will not believe just what happened. Jesus was here, and he just shows his arms. Look, 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 look. And he's like, dude, yeah, right. Yeah, right. No, I don't believe you. Like, seriously. He was here. He came in the room. The door was locked. Like, you knocked on the door. We didn't want to let you in. Jesus literally came. He walked through the walls. He was sitting here, and he pulled up his shirt, and he showed us to us, and he's like, I don't believe you. You got, I don't believe. There's no way. Dead men don't rise from the grave. I saw his body. I saw it. You know how many lashes he took on his back where his skin was barely hanging on his back? I saw the crown. I saw him hanging there. I saw people spitting on him and beating him. I saw that man's body. There's no way anyone's going to live through that. There's no way. If you can't get him here today, and I'll stick my finger into the hole of the, on his wrist, I'm going to stick my hand through it, and I want him to lift his shirt. Have him lift his shirt, guys. 
and I will stick my hand in, then maybe I'll believe. Peter's like, okay. <laughs> now, the fascinating part of the story, one week later, a week passes. Jesus is not as fast as we want him to be. Because now the disciples are out doing stuff, and Thomas is still sitting there. I wonder what Thomas did for that week. They're all like, we got to go share the word. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Thomas is like, I guess I'll go with you guys. I don't know if I believe this stuff, though. I guess. I don't know. I'll go get more coffee, I guess. Now, I'm not leaving here for coffee. Last time I did that, Jesus came, right? So a week passes on Sunday night. One week. Next week, Sunday night. Thomas is in the room, and Jesus appears. He says, peace be with you. And he addresses Thomas. And he pulls up and says, Thomas, go ahead. Stick your hand in, bro. Stick your hand in. Shows him where the nail went through. And he says, stick your finger in, which means this. Jesus was not some apparition or ghost. He was a human body, the one that was broken, now meshed with the spirit. There was a literal hole. And he says, stick your hand in, which means it wasn't sutured up. It wasn't closed. There was a hole in Jesus's side that Thomas could stick his hand. Go ahead, man. If this is what it takes, do you believe me now? I am here. This is me. This isn't some phantom apparition. This isn't magic. This isn't some weird thing. It's me. Thomas, stop doubting. Stick your hand in if you want. And holds his shirt there. Can you imagine what that feeling would be like? As Thomas sees him, he says, my Lord and my God. He didn't say, hey, Jesus. He said, my Lord and my God. Friends, Jesus did everything. His resurrection, and on that day, did everything. He is physically alive with real marks and real cuts, and this really, really happened. And now he's meeting, as we go on in the story, with his disciples over time, and they're getting them on mission, on the movement to go change the world. Jesus proved it. Prove it? Okay. Do, stick your finger in if I have. What do you need? Guys, I'll prove it to you. I don't need to prove it to you. I'm Jesus, but I'll prove it. I'll show you. And then he says something for you today. Blessed are those who are not going to see this and believe after you. Because you've seen this and you believe. They, they ate and walked with Jesus and they saw it. He's talking about you. 2,000 years later, we are blessed above what those guys saw, because there's going to be a whole group of people that are going to believe with never, ever seeing. They're going to just have faith in the story. But you must prove that you are my disciples by going and sharing the message. Everything is about action. Jesus didn't say to his disciples, hey, do you see the scar marks? Awesome. Be a really good church attender. Be kind to your neighbors. Cut their grass once in a while. When they annoy you, just let them, maybe just ignore them for a week. Can you go to church a lot, please? Somewhere in our American culture, we've mixed up the power of the gospel with American culture. I'm not saying don't go to church. Obviously, I like this place. This is what I am saying, is that if we are not on movement and on disciple-making discipleship, we're missing what Jesus did the first thing he saw as disciples. The Holy Spirit was given. We get the Holy Spirit when we ask Christ into our life. The Holy Spirit transforms us to go 
on mission. That is our purpose. If you follow him, you have to prove it. The proof is going to be in the pudding. That is what Jesus did. That is what Jesus said. And now, for some crazy reason, our inheritance now is that we get everything Jesus gets. So if you are very, quote-unquote, religious, and you're trying to earn your way to heaven, let me just share this with you, my friends. First of all, you can't. And let me tell you why you can't. Anytime we try to earn our way there, it cheapens the power of the gospel and the resurrection. He did it all. It's harder to admit I need help than it is I can earn my way there. So the fact is, is the power of the cross and the resurrection is everything. And now that we are saved, now it's our time to prove that we actually believe, and that's where we go to work. When those two work together, you're going to see disciples of Jesus Christ that are changing the world, and it was these 11 young men who did it over 2,000 years ago. If they sat up in their room, still scared, Scared they're going to get beaten. Scared they're going to get, they're scared. I don't do this. I don't want to do this. Thomas, you saw it, but I just don't want to do this. Can't we go back to fishing? Can't we do something a little bit easier? Can't there be an easier way to follow me? But guess what? If you are not following Jesus, you are a poser. It's time to step onto the dance floor. It's time to, if the resurrection is real and Jesus was real, now is the time in your life which you say, I only have accounted numbers of days left in my life. I have only so many more breaths in which God is going to grant me. I will use every day and every breath for the glory of God forever and evermore because Jesus died, rose again, and he beat everything because you are going to see him face to face. You, my friends, can have the power of the gospel in your life. I'm going to close with the, the words here from a song called Clean. I want you to listen to these words. Our team's going to be singing this in a second, but as they sing here today, I want you to resonate on these beautiful words. Hear this. Precious blood has left me forgiven, pure like the whitest of snow, powerful to make sin and shame retreat. This covenant is making me whole. So I will raise and lift my head for by his mercy, my life was spared. The highest name has set me free. Because of Jesus, my heart is clean. Let's pray. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.